This morning, we're going to answer a very important question. We're going to answer the question of what does the Bible say about church membership? Typically what I preach is is what's called expositional sermons or expository sermons, which means that, that we take a passage of scripture, we take a verse or a book, and we and we look at this book and verse and we'll go verse by verse and sometimes chapter by chapter. But today we're looking at what's called a topical message, still very biblical. Because I get asked often, and especially into the season that we're going into in our church right now, the question is, why should I become a member of a church? Or do I have to be a member of a church? Can I simply just be an attender of a church? Or sometimes you'll get the question, is church membership actually biblical? There are many Christians today who actually might see church membership as, as being antiquated or, or maybe, maybe not very relevant. As a matter of fact, there are, there are some that would go as far as to say that church membership might even fall into the category of, of a heresy or, or some would say it's even corrupt. There was a, a book written a while back that was called, They Like Jesus But Not the Church. There seems to be this growing idea among Christians that it is favorable to love Jesus, but we could do without the closeness of a community. And it does seem strange that, that someone would, would look at their faith and say, I love Jesus, but I can't come to love all of the people that Jesus died for. There's people who Jesus came to redeem who are part of our body of Christ as well, that, that it is our job to come together as a church family and to love others as we love Christ. I know that nobody here today is an actual, on-the-books member of our church. And I'll tell you why I know that. It's just simply because we're what's considered a church plant. We're about a year and a half old. We haven't gone through this process yet. And we haven't launched our membership classes as we, as we will later on this morning. There will be, understandably, some people who will, who will choose to attend, who will say, you know what, I want to go through this, I, I want to connect. And there will be some who, who will say, you know what, that's not right for me right now. And that's okay. And... I don't want anyone to feel pressured because of our message this morning. I'm going to do my best to be the best pastor to, to you, whatever uh, you decide to, to do, because that, that's my job. But to this morning, we want to look at this very important topic and see what it is that the Bible says about church membership. We're going to start off with point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, you'll see in your bulletin, there's some fill-in-the-blanks, and over on the left-hand side... And these fill in the blanks. I'm going to put the answers up here on the on the big screen, and you can fill those in. Point number one in your notes this morning: Church membership is a biblical concept. One of our church's core values is to base all of our teaching on biblical authority. And everything that we do, we want, to, we want to know that what we do as a church is following biblical guidelines. And we know that if you look all throughout the Bible, you're never going to see the terms join the church 
or transfer your membership. You're not going to find that in the Bible. Although, when you do read books like the book of Romans, we see Paul, who is commissioning the church in Rome to accept a woman who is moving to their area by the name of Phoebe. It's one of the reasons that Paul writes this letter. He writes in and he says, Phoebe is moving to your area. I would like you to accept her into your church as a member of your church. But what about this whole idea of church membership? It's clear throughout all of Scripture that there were some methods to identifying God's people both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. There were certain ceremonial rites that, that, and rituals that somebody would go through as, as part to identify themselves with the church and with God's people. As an example, in the Old Testament, if somebody was not born into the Jewish culture, but they wanted to associate themselves with the Jews, they would go through a process of, that, would, that would give them the identification that the Jews did. The men would have to be circumcised. That was the identifying mark in Judaism. In the New Testament times, the identifying mark of a Christian is baptism. All throughout the New Testament, baptism is that that introductory identification process to those who are coming to faith and those who are coming into the church. In the New Testament, you were were born again, and that gave your life to Christ. And you were born into the family of God by taking part in in baptism. You are coming into a family. You are now part of the universal church, the universal group of believers. I want you to see what the Bible says. We're in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. It'll be up here on the screen for you as well. It says this, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. This would be the moment when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. And at that moment, the Bible says that 3,000 new believers were added to them. Not simply being added to the family of God, they were added to them. The word is plural. They were being added, these 3,000 people, to the local church. They weren't being added to the church in Antioch. They weren't being added to the church in Ephesus. They were being added to the church. It was being added to them, the church where Peter was speaking. Apparently there was somebody at this point that was keeping role. Somebody kept account. We have a very specific number of how many people were added to them that day. There was a count being taken. Somebody knew this number and wrote it down. Now, coming to Jesus is a matter of faith. Our faith is the basis of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. But it is through our faith that we recognize the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Baptism, however, is that public proclamation of faith. It's that that identifying mark to everyone outside saying, I am making a public proclamation of my faith. I want everyone to know who I am, that I am a Christian. I like to equate it to... Maybe the idea of joining the the army or joining the military. 
On your first day when you show up to, to basic training, you're going to step up and they're going to have you raise your right hand and you're going to give an oath to uphold the Constitution. And by giving this oath, you are now a member of the military. And a few days later, somebody's going to come to you and they're going to issue you a uniform. And this uniform is now your public identification that you are now a member of the military. If you were to go to battle, you are, are able to be identified by what you are wearing. It would be very confusing if, if sides went to battle and everyone was wearing street clothes. You would have no clue who it is that is part of the different militaries, right? But it would be fair to say that as Christians, it would be very confusing to the rest of the world if we went out in the world looking like the rest of the world. Amen? It would be very confusing. We have a uniform. We have something as an identifying marker, and that to us is baptism. It gives us an opportunity to say, this is the uniform that I put on. And when I go into the world, I have been baptized. I carry the mark of the Christian. Now, in the Old Testament, they counted people who were part of God's family in the Old Testament, God's family, they were organized by tribes. And if you go through some of the early books of the Bible, you can see that they know exactly how many tribes there are. They know exactly how many clans there are, how many families there are, and how many people is in each tribe. They were all counted. It was a way to organize the tribe and organize the people in God's family. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, there were certain restrictions for the people of Israel. There are restrictions for those who could be part of Israel and those who were coming and wanted to worship with Israel, but who could not. The implication is this. There were some people who were formally and organizationally members of the congregation, and there were some who were not. The New Testament, there are also requirements to be a member of the family of faith. The first requirement Jesus gives us in John chapter 3, he tells us that you must be born again. You must be a person of personal faith. One would think that a personal relationship with Jesus would be a requirement for being a member of the church, but it wasn't always the case. That actually is a somewhat, somewhat new concept. In the early days of the American church, when, when immigrants would come from Europe, they had brought with them traces of state religion. In a state religion, you were baptized by, by your family. You were baptized by your parents' faith. You were baptized as an infant by whatever faith that your parents had. Wherever they came to and they settled, whatever parish or area that they settled in the States, they would become part of the church in that area, and you were baptized by household and by family. Personal faith was not a requirement for you to be baptized. As a matter of fact, if you were baptized as an infant in those days, you were baptized before you knew anything. Before you had any personal faith, it was something that, that you wouldn't be doing as a willful act of your own, but rather your parents who would be bringing you. In our church, however, a personal faith in Jesus is a requirement for baptism, but also a requirement for membership. Even further, baptism is 
A baptism of believers is a requirement for membership as we show the world that we are putting on our uniform, that we are putting on our uniform and displaying our life in Christ proudly. So members of this church, we know are people who have a personal faith in Jesus Christ and have shown that through a public proclamation of their faith through baptism. So the first way, becoming a member of of our church, the first way that we have is through (laughs) baptism and being baptized. If you're baptized at our church, that initiates the process to say you are invited to our first steps class and the process to becoming a member in our church. The second way of of obtaining membership is what we call a letter of transfer. If you were a member of another church before, somewhere in maybe another town, maybe you just moved to town and they have you on their rolls, we can help you and we will write a letter to them and and they can write a letter of transfer and saying, this is a, a prior member of ours who is in good standing and we will accept that letter of, of transfer on your behalf and you can come to membership through a statement of transfer. It's very much like we see at the end of the book of Romans when when Paul is asking the church in Rome to accept Phoebe. The third way is what we call a statement of faith. It's when you would come, and sometimes this is done on a Sunday morning during the the closing prayer, and and, and some would, would say, I want to come and be a member of this church, and I am coming with my statement of faith. I am stating that I am a Christian and that I have been baptized by immersion, and you would come, and then that will initiate the process of looking uh, forward to the, the next time we, ha- we start the First Steps class, and you would come, and you can come through membership by a statement of faith. Sometimes people would come in to a church and say, I I used to be a member at another church or I was baptized. I came to the Lord. I was baptized somewhere else. I never went through official membership at another church, but I would like to be a member here. And we could do that through your statement of faith. Membership in a church also allows a church to make decisions at a local level. The church in Jerusalem did have some decisions that they had to make, and they made those in a a time of crisis. Let's read about that. We're in Acts chapter 6. We're in verse number 2, 2 through 3. We read this. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the work of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. There had been a conflict going on in the church, among the widows of the church, those who were of Grecian descent, and your Bible might call them Hellenistic, and those who were Jewish widows. And there was a dispute going on about the allotment of food that the widows were were getting on a regular basis because the church was taking care of them. And And the 12, the apostles at the time, were busy handling, they were trying to manage the church, and they were trying to, to manage this, this, this issue that was going on, and they said, let's appoint 12 men who are going to take care of this. See, when the problem arose, the solution came out of the local church. The apostles didn't say, you know what, we've got a problem, let's, let's contact the church in Antioch and get their permission as to what we need to do. 
They didn't say, let's call up the church in Ephesus and let's get, get, get them on board. Now, the local church made a local decision so that they could solve a local problem. They selected men, and, and it's, it's very, very much very much thought of that these would have been the first deacons of the church that would have stepped up to help, and they took care of the widows in their local church. By making this decision, they weren't taking care of the widows in Antioch or in Ephesus or other churches that had these issues that they had to manage. They took care of issues that were within their local church. The church membership is simply an organized organized identity. It's simply formalized organized faith relationships with one another. I'm not sure that everyone who attended church in the early days of the church were, were members in the people who were, were there in the Old Testament. We know that in the Old Testament there were people who believed in God and, and they attended with the nation of Israel. But I would assume there were some men who came and said, I want to come, I want to be part of this church, but I don't want to be circumcised. Just said, I just want to be an attender. And that's okay. In the modern church, however, church membership is probably more formal, actually, than it was in ancient times. We have a role. We have, uh, we have, we have names that, that are kept on an Excel spreadsheet. I don't know that many people in, in the time of Moses were that familiar had taken Microsoft classes, so how they, kept, how they kept role was a little different than how we do. But that doesn't diminish the significance that they were connected one to another through process, and they were connected in a responsibility and serving each other. They had made a commitment to a local body of believers. There are those that will say, well, I can't, I can't find church membership in the Bible, so they must not have had any. And that would be like saying, you know what, I can't find, I, when I read through the Bible, there's, it's like saying there was no electricity in the Bible, so they must not have had lights. Well, they did have lights, they just had candles. It was a different format. They did have organized groups of people who were counted and who came together and took care of each other on a local level. Our membership today, it might look different than they did, than theirs did, but there's still this form of connection. That leads us to point number two in your notes this morning. This is important. As Christians, it's important that not only we believe, but also that we belong. The question is, why should I become a member of the church? Membership brings a form of belonging. If you and I were to drive around, as a matter of fact, if, if you were to, to take somebody, maybe a family member comes to visit you here in Paris. Family member, and, and at some point while they're visiting you, you're going to get in the car and you're going to drive them around town and just show them different things around the city of Paris. You might drive them by and say, this is our beautiful lake, this is Lake Paris. Or maybe you come down Paris Boulevard and, and you tell them, look, this is our new Walmart. We got a new super Walmart in town. And you're going to drive a little bit further and you're going to say, oh, well, there's my bank right there. And you're going to drive further and you're going to say, oh, well, there's my gym. And, and you're going to drive a little bit further you know what you're probably not going to say there's the wells fargo and there's the there's the fitness 19 see there's a difference when you belong right 
you're going to drive by and you're going to say, oh, there's my gym. That's where I go and work out, right? I have an investment there. This is part of my life. That is my gym. When you drive by Clearwater Elementary School, many people, would, they're not going to say, look, there's Clearwater Elementary School. That's irrelevant. You drive by and you say, there's my church. That is my church, right? Because we have a personal connection. Because we have an ownership. We could drive by all the churches in town and sometimes we, want, we might not even be able to identify them by their name. And somebody might not even be able to identify our church by our name, but you will identify it as that is my church. Amen? We'll identify that this is mine because I belong. Because... This is mine because this is where I have a connection. It's because you belong to that church. It's because you belong to this church. There is a constant urge in our hearts as Christians to belong. As a matter of fact, there's an urge in our hearts as as humans, as, as people to belong. Very few people go to the movies by themselves. Even fewer people ride a roller coaster by themselves. We are not meant to be in isolation. When Adam was created, God said, it is not right for you to be alone. And he created for Adam a family. God gave Adam a family. A church is a family. We are a family of families. Sometimes when young men don't have very much of a family at home, they will leave home at an early age and some will go and join a gang, a surrogate family. We even see that will we'll, we'll continue sometimes into our prisons and our jail systems that, that you will have people come together who are not family by blood, but now they are connecting as family. When a teenager leaves home to go off to college, the first thing they'll do is go and they will join a fraternity, which means family. Just think about how many clubs there are in our nation and as a, in, in our city. There's car clubs, there's knitting clubs, there's, there's sports clubs, gun clubs, there's all kinds of different clubs. There, every hobby that you can think of is connected by family. It's people coming together by mutual interest and connecting with each other. Church membership provides a place to belong and it, can, it, it provides an opportunity for people of like-mindedness and people who are coming together to belong, people who have like spiritual needs. We have our own spiritual needs and we have a clear statement. Most in our church can stand and say, this is my statement of belief. And we come together under that. That leads us to the third point in your notes this morning. Membership allows the church to have a clear doctrinal focus. Membership allows the church to have a clear doctrinal focus. Some people get frustrated and they say, well, how come there are so many churches in town and and how many different denominations? And, And it seems like sometimes these denominations divide us. But most churches as well as ours... We come together around a, a 
common doctrinal statement. And it's because of this statement that we can come together on Sunday mornings and we don't argue about secondary and tertiary issues. We come together and we don't argue about, about baptism, whether we baptize by full immersion or we baptize by, by sprinkling, because we have a common doctrinal statement. And this statement says that here at our church that we baptize by full immersion. And so because of that, we don't come together and, and argue these points on Sunday morning because we have a statement of faith that we know is, as we walk together through life in our Christian faith, we have this identity that we all believe and we all are being taught and we're all following a, a statement of faith and we're able to come together. We're not a church that's ever going to have debates on some of these issues because they're spelled out. And we say, we, we agree with this. this. This is who we are as a church. As a matter of fact, we've got in our, our membership package what's, what's called a statement of mutual intent that says that as a member, as a believer, I, I, I mutually in, intend to, to live a life that is in that is in adherence to our statement of faith, that that is, that is my job, not just on Sunday mornings, but also on Monday mornings and on Tuesday mornings. It says, as a Christian and as a member of this church, I pledge to live a life in support of biblical values. It's really important when we're going through the rest of our days as members of a church because sometimes we need each other to remind us of who we are, right? Sometimes we need that. That leads us to the final point in your notes this morning. Church membership provides needed accountability. Church membership provides needed accountability. We stir one another up. We keep each other accountable. When you choose to become a member of a church, you place yourself in a position of accountability. You're accountable to other people within your church as to how you live and how you manage your life. That's why it's important to be here together on Sunday mornings. That's why it's important that we're connected with a small group. This morning we're sitting at an attendance of around 50, and sometimes it's hard to be accountable to 50 people, but our small groups break us up into smaller groups and smaller families again that we can be accountable to each other that we come together with on Wednesday night and a Thursday night. And we have those personal connections that we know that you are not alone. You don't have to live your Christian life as a lone wolf. You're out there taking in all of the temptations and all of the, all of the, the, the misery of this world all by yourself. We are accountable to other people. We are also responsible to other people. Amen? See, somebody in our church comes on Sunday morning needing you to help them come back next Sunday morning. Somebody in this church is excited to see you on Sunday morning or knows that you are the encouragement that they need on Tuesday. We're accountable to others. We're responsible for others. There's also somebody here that wants to be in your cell phone, wants you to have their number, and could really use a phone call on Tuesday or Wednesday just simply to say, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. What could I be praying for you about? 
How you doing? How you been? You remember our moms way back when. Used to have that phone that had that cord, and she'd buy one with a longer cord that could reach all the way across the kitchen, and she'd spend two hours on that thing, right? Just sitting there talking to Dixie or whoever it happened to be, just talking, talking, talking. There was a time when we used to talk to each other a lot, right? Now we seem to text each other a lot, and it's not the same communication. It's not that same communication. That's where accountability and responsibility comes to, is because it reminds us we need to be responsible to others. We need to be accountable to others. We need to call and talk to others. We need to be a family. And as a family, we need to see each other more. We need to call each other more. We need to be in each other's lives more than just an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Because family is forever, amen? Family takes care of each other. We need that accountability. A family, your family, your immediate family at home, they provide accountability for you. Your church family provides accountability for your soul. That's what we do as believers. We're all here for each other. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Your church leaders and your pastors are the ones who look out for your souls. That is my job. My job is to take your calls. My job is to counsel. That's also our job as a church body. But if you're not part of a local church, you might not actually have a pastor. You might listen to a preacher, but you might not necessarily have a pastor. We can listen to a preacher on the radio. We can listen to a pastor on YouTube. We can listen to to pastors or people preaching on Facebook videos all the time, anyone on satellite radio, but it is your local congregation that provides accountability and a pastor for your soul. Somebody you could have a one-on-one relationship with. It's difficult to have a one-on-one relationship with YouTube. It really is. You can put some comments down at the bottom, but is that where we can get spiritual nourishment for our souls and go one-on-one and say, YouTube pastor, I have a problem. Can you help me? Kind of difficult for YouTube preacher to do that, right? It's great for education. It's great to learn. We have this, we have this, this idea, and a criteria rather, in our church. We have a criteria that says to be a member of our church, you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. That's pretty important, right? You have to be baptized, by immersion, and we're going, and you have to be in general agreement with our statement of faith and not be d- uh, divisive in our church. We have a membership covenant, and it's so that we are all connected. That if somebody is a member of the church and is living an ungodly life, it's a reflection on us all, right? If there's somebody who is living an ungodly life as a member of the church, as members, we have a right, we have, we have a responsibility. To say, hey, you're accountable to me. I'm responsible for you. How can I help? 
Let's come back under the umbrella. Let's come back under the, the direction that Christ has for us. See, faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. In our culture, some people like to take a cafeteria approach to church. Sometimes we'll go to, we'll go to this church for worship, or maybe we'll go to this church for, for youth group, or another place we'll go to to serve at, and someplace else we'll go to for events, or, or maybe we go someplace because, because the, there, there's a, a great organization there that we want to be part of. And cafeteria church approach, it might be good for learning, but it is not good for accountability. It is important for us to be accountable and for us to be responsible. We need to have a group that we can be submissive to and that we can learn from and we could grow ourselves in accountability and we can come together and serve a local church and serve in our, with our time and our talents and our treasures and our obedience to the tithe and offerings and in our, our stewardship that we come together Together, and when we drive by, we can say, that is my church. When members of the body are fractured, the whole body is fractured. When members of the body are hurting, the whole body is hurting. And we see numerous times throughout the Bible, and Jesus even says it as well, if one piece of the body is missing, then it hurts the whole body, right? It absolutely hurts the the whole body. We all have a job. And we all have a responsibility. We all have a piece of of the kingdom that that we are to steward and and we are to serve in. And that's an awesome responsibility. It's an amazing responsibility. And we all have that responsibility. This morning we are going to begin our very first church membership class We're going to come together after baptism, just right over here. We're going to take some steps, and we've got some books. There are four classes. Every every Sunday in October, right after church, we're going to get together for a few minutes. And we're going to go over a different portion of the the book. And and I welcome those who are coming to sit through and to, to join the church in membership. Because it is the members who will have an opportunity to guide the direction and guide the leadership of, of our church as we move forward. And we, and we need membership. And what it does is this. It takes us as attenders and ter- turns this church from that church to my church. Right? It, we take ownership of this church and of this church body and of this group of believers, not only do we get to celebrate the beginning of our church membership process today, but we also get to celebrate baptism this morning. And I am so thankful that we get to celebrate baptism this morning. You may have seen the water outside as, as you came in. I believe we have about five or six people that are going to be baptized this morning. Isn't that something we're celebrating? Amen. Isn't that something we're celebrating? In a moment, I'm going to ask David to come up. Where is David at? Where is David at? Oh, did he already go in back? I'm going to ask David to come out. And he's going, he's going to play, and I'm going to be down here to, to pray. And if, if, you would, if you would like prayer, come forward. Come and talk to me. Because 
I'd really love to pray with you this morning. And I'm going to ask in a moment for those who are looking to be baptized, although we've already had discussions, and I want to give you an opportunity to go and change and, and, and to get ready. And then for the rest of us, after we sing, we're going to go out here and uh, bring, uh, bring your camera with you for those who are, who are taking pictures. And we're going to go out here and we're going to celebrate baptism together. And from there, from out here, we're going to, um, we'll dismiss from outside this morning. And for those of you who are going to come in or are going to take part in membership class, I just invite you to come back in. I'm going to promise you this, that I'm going to take up no more than half an hour. We're going to be done by, with class by, uh, it's 11.45 to 12.15. We'll be done no later than that, I promise you. You're going to have a, uh, a book of papers that I'm going to ask you to take home. I would ask that my prayer would be, if you call Paris Valley Community Church your church home, or if you're interested in calling us your church home, that you come through and learn what membership is about. It's... It's a process to where we can come together and stand tall and say, this is my church. This is my church family. I'm accountable to this church. I'm responsible for this church, but I'm actually somebody else's accountability. Not only am I here because the church blesses me, I'm here to be a blessing to my church and to the people in my church. We're all a family. We're a family of families. Let's pray.